What's with all these badass women in movies and TV who still need to be rescued by men? Or the ones who can defeat armies of muscle-bound henchmen barehanded, but have to do it in skin-tight suits and high heels? And what's up with those badass women who never wanted or needed a man until our suave hero sexed her up, and then she dies? Welcome to the Outrider Podcast's seven-part series, Problematic Badass Female Tropes. I'm your host, Jason Quinn Malott, and I'll be talking with the writer, performer, and all-around badass who identified these tropes, my friend, Jen Zukowski. So strap on some pasties and a merkin, and let's do this thing. Welcome to episode two of Problematic Badass Female Tropes, The Wonder Woman. So this is our uh, our second section talking with uh, Jen Zukowski about her uh, her seven essay series on on problematic badass female tropes, and uh, I think we're doing good so far. Well, you know, in the we first don't have thirty much seconds to compare, to compare it to. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Over okay. on Writers HQ, let's not forget. Yes, on on Writers uh, HQ and mm-hmm. link of course will be in the show notes. Not that I ever really do very complicated show notes. I mean, I kind of want to be mysterious. <laughs> Gives you a certain mystique, right? Right. So <laughs> one of the things I did before hopping here on the, on the Skype machine with you was uh, watch that Funny or Die video again. Ah, yes. Okay, good. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I can, I, yeah, I get it. So tell us, tell us. A little bit about the uh, the Wonder Woman. Well, you're like, yeah, I get it. Anyway, tell us about it. <laughs> well, that's sufficiently, uh, you know, masculinely condescending enough for you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, whatever, sweetie. Did you have something to say? <laughs> oh my god. Um, <laughs> well, the... <laughs> well, you're the authority here, so teach oh, me, well, lady. You know. All right. Well, you I mean, you've watched the vi- the cute little video that I watched I the video, and of course, I read the article because I am a good host and I, I I'm following mm, along. But you did but your homework. I've actually read this one twice. Whoa. Hey. <laughs> well, as uh, as those of you who have read these articles will notice, will be noticing, even if you've only read these two by now. Um, right. I do this rhythm where I I come up with or I, I describe the example that I have in mind, at least one or two examples first, before uh-huh. I describe the actual trope. And so instead of actually describing Wonder Woman, I described instead that comedy sketch. It was by Funny or Die. It was about the the self-help group called the women who didn't love Wonder Woman. Right. <laughs> and they're like the most hated group in the world. And of course, this came out right after the movie came out. So uh-huh. it was slightly more timely then. It was because all of the all the enormous hype around the movie was still singing quite loudly at the time. And so it was, it was even more funny at the time because everyone's like, I love it. It was so great. It's so groundbreaking. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. But my whole thing is, well, you know, there's some major problems with her character structure. And we're not, I'm just talking about her mm-hmm. in this 2017 movie, though you can certainly trace certain misogynistic issues back in when her first she first came out in the comics which was what right. i think in the mid 40s is that correct i'm not sure right I'm but yet super... that was bit the whole idea was of one woman was to be a a, a feminist uh, model yes exactly to be a a, a feminist a, a feminist warrior sort of a, a right a, one of the original social justice warriors in a way right. and, uh, and then later on and when Society became more liberated in the comics. She became less. She became just sort of the the secretary to the Justice League. Like literally, she was like she would like stay behind at headquarters and fucking type their documents and whatever. So the, she's been through, the character herself has been through a whole slew of different changes and everything. Wouldn't on wouldn't culture. Marston, the guy that created it, basing it on his wife and mistress, have uh, uh, taken that as a slap in the face? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, she was meant to sort of open up all of these. I guess mistress isn't fair. That was more of a poly thing, wasn't it? It it was a poly thing. Yeah. His, his partners, (laughs) his partners, plural. Yeah. His lady partners. Yeah. But so his lady parts, 
You're going to call it problematic lady parts, <laughs> right? Yeah, it is problematic lady parts. Wonder Woman is problematic lady parts. Part. <laughs> so my my thing with this particular trope is now in every single trope there is a bait and switch that happens where we're like, hey, yay, it's a strong character. Shut up, it's a strong character. It's a strong character. Right. Love her. And so it's it's this is one of the things where the hype and the society around it, the cultural reaction to it actually right. did that. We're like, sure, we'll swallow this amazing thing whole. And just because it's like in the in the character or the comedy sketch, one of the characters was like, oh, we're just supposed to automatically love her just because she's a, a female protagonist that isn't seen through a male gaze. Right. Shut the fuck up, you know. <laughs> um, and I would actually argue that Wonder Woman in the, in the 2017 movie Yes, she's the protagonist, which is great. I was right. worried when I was when I went into the movie and I saw it, and I saw you know, the guy, the guy character, the main male hero character, wash up on the shores of the Miscara, you Chris know, Pine, the, the island of yeah, Chris Pine, called Captain Kirk. Oh God, what what would Captain Kirk do in the? <laughs> what was, what's what's the character's name? Steve. I'm not. I'm not a, a huge Something. comics reader. I don't really know the comics super well. I know certain of the sort of cultural stuff surrounding it, but I'm not a big comic reader. I forget what his name is. Yeah. I only saw the movie once anyway, too. So, but anyway, but I thought, Oh God, well, here's Captain Kirk washed up on the shore of an Island filled with female warriors, all of whom are hot, by the way, (laughs) which is another one of the problems there. There's not a single woman on that Island that isn't attractive (laughs) in some way. But anyway, I thought, oh, no, now it's going to be his story, no matter what the title of the movie is. But it wasn't. It wasn't. It actually was Diana's story. It was her. Right. She was. She is the protagonist in that tale. And it's great. And her male compatriots in the war are assistants. They assist her. They, are, they do not take over the center of the story. She is the main person that takes all the action. And at the time, right. I was like, it's almost like a Doctor Who and companion kind of mm-hmm. thing where she doesn't. It's not as much like the old school Doctor Who where the – or actually this happens in the new ones too, where the companion just becomes sort of right. a, a Marian effect where she just becomes something for him to save. But right. actually, you know, like someone who helps out, someone who, you know, the the her male – he does become a love interest, but he Steve also – Trevor. Trevor, thank you. Steve oh God, Trevor. Trevor. One of those characters with two first names. Right, right. But he does have very important parts to play. But what he does not do is take over the main, right, the main center of the fight that's central to the story. Right. But the problems that I was noticing with the Wonder Woman type trope characters is that they are very strong warriors. These are particularly warrior characters, like either soldiers or warrior types of some kind, or mm-hmm. fighters of some kind. But they have sexuality shoehorned in there. Right. In other words, for the female warrior, sexuality is an issue. Whereas when it's a male warrior, his his sexiness doesn't really matter. Like you may have stories about, oh yeah, there's a gladiator and he's wearing a skimpy thing and he looks hot, but it's not. It's not really an. It's a might. It's a very minor thing for male characters. For a female warrior character, sexiness is either shoehorned onto her where it's mm-hmm. added, where it's not necessary. It's the whole trope of the, the D&D armor. Like, right. Especially in video games where the, the male characters put up, they, they level up their armor and they get more and more protected and their women still have these bikinis made of <laughs> chain mail. It's that kind of thing where it's like, why does she have to be sexy in a particular way in order to be worth watching? Right. And then there's another way that this, this hypersexualization of the female character happens too, which is the the eradication of sexuality. Where if she is in fact to be very strong, to be very powerful as a warrior, mm-hmm. she gets her her sexiness completely taken away, or she gets masculinized. Mm-hmm. Which I talk a, a, in more detail about in the trope that talks about one of the guys that uh-huh. that more focuses on that sort of type of warrior. But so like the Wonder Woman in particular. It's like she's wearing heels. Right. And like that character in the, in the sketch says, well, of course, sure, they're wedge heels, but they're still heels. Right. <laughs> and this particular Wonder Woman character, you know, she's slender. 
you know, she's not, she's not fat. She's not stocky. She's not mm-hmm. short. She's tall. She's willowy. She's slender. She's young looking. Right. She's pale skinned. Let's go on with all of the stereotypes of female beauty. And so it's like, well, okay, she is a strong warrior and that is true. So then why does she need all the sexiness there? Right. Why is all of that even need to be there? Would she would she be like that if she grew up on an island with only women? Would all of those women be all sexy? And they're somewhat diverse. The the extras on the Miss are right. somewhat diverse at least, but but they're all hot women. So so the basic problem then with the Wonder Woman uh, trope is one of, of presentation and not so much um, situation like it was with Marion yes. situation. She goes from when one situation acting another way and acting a different way. This one's more about the presentation of the hero. Yes, it's this thing that art historians and art critics call the male gaze. I would call it the heterosexual male gaze in particular. Yeah. Where she is meant to be looked at with a sexual lens. It's this hypersexualization of female characters. So it's either shoehorned onto her, like being hot is I, I think I I put it in the article, right. like, does the does the hotness of the ass preclude the badness of the ass? <laughs> like, why does that matter so much when it's a female warrior character? Because it seems right. like it's a pretty minor thing when it's a male character. It can be there, it can not be. It's it kind of doesn't matter though. Yeah. Unless this being sexy has to do with, with a man's with a male character's storyline, like for example, like a James Bond, part of his whole character and the way he wor- he he is strong, the way he works his character is to be sexy. That's kind of part of how he has prowess. Right. That's part of what he works, in other words, in his spy spy like antics. <laughs> so why why would that sexiness? How would that sexiness work in a female heroine in that same fashion? Because you did bring up, um, um, oh, that, that, that recent spy movie with the... Uh, Atomic Blonde. Atomic Blonde. Yeah. Um, I think that's an example in, is, is, as is, far is, as that, how it does work in, in the other way. I think that's a, a positive example, of course. It where is, it's, it's not just shoehorned onto her, it's one of the weapons that she uses. It's one of her main things in her arsenal, and she actually, it's part of her character to groom her looks and to make sure she looks a certain way so that she can use that to her advantage, just the same way James Bond does. That's a part of her character. It's, 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 it's a part of what she's doing as a character. Like Wonder Woman, she is such a, I mean, she grows up in, in this, in this isolated Island. There is mm-hmm. no, why would she even be thinking in that way? It's not, her sexiness is not doesn't have anything to do with her character, in other words. Right. And it's a twofold thing in this trope too. And again, the the second part of the of the twofold, the two the twofold issue has to do with hypersexualization of women. The fact uh-huh. that being being sexy or sexiness is just so all important to female characters. Right. And it's so rarely done in a way that doesn't make being sexy the central issue of a, of a female character, especially a badass. In other words, like if she's really super strong, then she can't be sexy because she's strong instead. Right. Which is like what the, the Gwendolyn Christie characters that I bring up in the article uh, are uh. about. The one guy in Game of Thrones, her, her uh, Brienne of Tarth character, the one person who thinks she's hot is looked at as a, as a sort of comedy only in the memes, I think. I mean, yeah, they made some jokes in the show, well, just, but they just weren't the way that... The, just, just the way the actor acts it. It's, the way the actor plays it. He's very over the top, and he's very like, oh, 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 what a monster lady. It's like, it's like a joke. Because, right. of course, she's not sexy. Of course, she can't be. <laughs> so and what and, I, the, what and I was... Cameron's comments, too. So it's like it's, a, it's right. this dual thing. We're like, okay, well, so why can't Brianna Tarth be hot? But at the same time, why does Wonder Woman have to be hot? Right. It's like, why, why does it, why is this like the central thing? Why is this either shoehorned onto her or taken away from her? Like Cameron's thing where like, no, she shouldn't be so sexy because she should be strong instead. Okay. So how about 
maybe she's sexy when it may, matters to her character. Right. But that's not ever put into uh, the atomic blonde thing. I, like you, like you mentioned, I think that's an exception. Having it be a part of her character is rarely done. Usually it's, it's a, it's a male gaze kind of thing where it's right. just, you know, the only reason a woman character is worth watching is if she's hot, if she's titillating, if she's to be looked at through a sexual lens. Right. You, um, what I've been looking at over here while you've been talking and paying attention to you, but also trying to search is the name of this actress who was in, and it's actually the only movie I can remember seeing her in. I'm pretty sure I might've seen her in others, but the only movie I can remember seeing her in is not an action movie. She doesn't play a heroine. Um, she's just one of the many women in that, uh, in that John Ritter movie, Skin Deep. Oh, I didn't see that one. <laughs> and, but she was also um, on the TV show American Gladiator. Oh, oh, really? So she <laughs> was one. She was a bodybuilder. And what I kept thinking is, I was reading part of your article where you were talking about, you know, particularly about how all the Amazons are 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 are, are you know slender and sexy. And I'm thinking, well, what would have happened if maybe the director had cast some women like this one, like her, and I can't find her name as, as the yeah, Amazons, I mean, would that have changed the tone? Because here's the thing is that I understand the, the costumes, particularly in the justice league movie were a little bit skimpier than they needed to be. Well, and the fact that they changed from the right. one woman movie into that, into that one. But at least in the wonder woman movie, they were, technically in line with what could be assumed to be standard Greek military armor. Yes, they were mm-hmm. from the era. You know, and the that was guards. Why, yeah. That, and that and, was why there was a controversy when they changed in justice league, because the, right. the costume designer was a woman for wonder woman. And so she's like, okay, well, you know, they're all, they're all hot. We don't have any barrel chested women. We don't have any pear shaped women on that Island, but at the same time, they're not also wearing chainmail bikinis. They're wearing actual right. armor, like you said, but then in the justice league movie, it was a different costume designer and a different director. Yeah. Both of whom were male. I believe the costume designer was male as well. And so that completely changed. And suddenly they're in these like boob cup <laughs> bikinis suddenly. Whereas before yeah. they were, they were wearing actual authentic looking Greek armor, which is hella sexy. That's not, I mean, that's, that, that's my point too. It's like, it's okay. Right. Totally be hot and be a hot warrior for sure. But like, that is the central thing for female warriors where it, whereas it isn't usually in man, male characters, right. male warrior characters. So what would be, so what would be a good example of a female warrior character that gets it right besides Brienne of Tarth and, and well, she doesn't, they don't really get it right with her either. I think it's the opposite problem with the Brienne of Tarth character is that right. so she is portrayed as like sexless. almost over the top, not sexy, right. so that she can be strong. But, um, she, but I, I, my impression from watching the show, and I did watch the show. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, I watched some of it. I watched some of it. <laughs> I watched. I watched. I watched everything. My sister kept trying to get me to watch it for years. You know, I was Game like of, boobs and dragons. What's wrong with it? It's great. <laughs> yeah, tits and swords. Tits and swords. Tits and swords. And Jason Momoa. It's only in a couple of the, the I know. first two seasons or so, and then he dies miserably. He's but briefly, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Everyone dies, right? Doesn't everyone die? And apparently he's an anti-book little douche, but that's okay. I mean, he's like twice well, my size, but he, he doesn't just, read he, books. He just was a prank player on set, from what I hear. But he abused books. That's a sin. Yeah. No, it's anyway. not okay. There's no, there's nothing <laughs> okay about that at all. He can do as many sexy hakas as he wants. He could not make yeah. up for that. That's totally fine. Well, I mean, Did, um, I, I can't think, besides the Atomic Blonde, um, mm-hmm example that you bring up what I would I can't think of any others in particular but what I would say is if the character being super hot or not right has to do with her character mm-hmm. in particular and has to do with her character's choices and not to do with the audience gaze then I would say that's closer to being more okay right if it's like, hey, warrior woman, whoa, isn't she sexy? It's it's this it's this matter of if being titillated 
Right. So, uh, which is unfair to the strength of the character, or taking every possibility of hotness away, which is also unfair to the character. It's this hypersexualization. Right. And Atomic Blonde was meant to be a super cheesy, like female James Bond kind of Cold War, way over the top, Jason Bourne meets meets James Bond kind of thing, which in that case was completely a part of her character. But it didn't go a overboard where she was wearing stiletto heel you know what i mean it was it, her right. sexiness was so appropriate was just, to her character so, so was so was gal gadot's sexiness just is all that problematic stuff just the high heels i mean the rest of her armor was okay right it was the fact that she fits casting her fit every single uh unrealistic beauty stereotype that there was but she, but it also fits the way wonder woman was originally drawn in the in the comics yeah that's true it's the fact that the, the sexiness of the character didn't have anything to do with the character. Right. So what about Xena Warrior Princess? Right. Oh, yeah. Where, was, where does she fall in this? <laughs> I would say that's... Because she was not wearing heels. She, wore, she was wearing boots. Yeah, the, the gladiator sandals kind of thing, I think. Right. I think she had that kind of like tall sandal sort of thing, right? From what I remember, I was working as a sword fighter at Renaissance Festival back in the mid '90s, and uh, (laughs) for my for my birthday one year, the the guys that I was fighting with gave me. (laughs) I had never watched the show before. Right. They they gave me a fan club membership to Xena Warrior Princess (laughs) because they're like, dude, you're totally Xena Warrior Princess. Um, So did you ever watch any of that? Yeah, I did. I would think that's also closer to being okay because she doesn't think about being, she's not like watching Xena, watching her fight scenes in particular. It's not about titillation. Right. She's not portrayed as being like, Ooh, it's like, it's like porn for the viewer. It's not really like that. She, and she right. is wearing, she does sort of have the boob cut kind of thing, but it's not, it's, it's not like a, it's not a shoehorn sexiness onto her. Mm-hmm. And then there are some character developments that happen where she does get romantically involved with certain characters, but that just happens because of her character making choices. Right. But in, especially in the beginning of the series, she's she's trying to redeem herself from being a horrible ruler and being a sort of having blood on her hands. And so she she is going about the world being a warrior in order to sort of redeem that. Hmm. And so she's pretty prickly and she's not... She's not really portrayed as sexy. She's not portrayed as not sexy either, though. She kind of has, it's kind of neither. She's just herself. Right. And any sexiness that happens, like her later relationship, oh, spoiler alert for a show that happened in the 90s. (laughs) Her later relationship with her sidekick sort of gradually comes about, and it seems to me to be about character. Right. Now, I would say her sidekick starts to be a little bit, sexiness is shoehorned onto her a little too much. Like once she starts to to be more of an active part of the show, suddenly mm-hmm. her midriff is showing all the time and shit, which isn't really a part of that person's character. What's, her, what's the psychic's name again? Gabrielle. Xena and Gabrielle. Oh. So Gabrielle yeah. is sort of the Robin to Xena's Batman. So and do you once, think they shoehorned the sexiness onto her because it didn't really fit with Xena? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe they're like, we don't have enough midriff happening right now. Let's put it on. <laughs> let's put it on Gabrielle. Yeah. I don't remember her being able to carry that very well though. It wasn't, it, it just wasn't a part of that's the thing. It was, that was just for titillations, not part of the character. Hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. It's like, it's not like, it's not never okay to be sexy. Sure. It is. Of course. Right. And it's okay to not, be sexy at all too like that's fine but like the fact that the being sexy either having it be shoehorned onto a character or be eradicated so that she can be strong mm-hmm. those are both two sides of a hypersexual hypersexualization coin that's the problem right right and just the fact that because like like the comedy sketch we're supposed to just automatically love wonder woman because she happens to be the central character in a movie in a superhero movie for the first time and who knows when it's like, okay, great. No, that's great. Do celebrate that. And it was, she was great. And the movie was great. Fights were great. A little too much CGI, but that's just my own taste. It's fine. Right. It's fine. But well, we just need to recognize that. Like, okay, look, <laughs> there's a lot of 
Well, that's like, this little is thing. sexy things that are like put onto her that aren't a part of her character. It's just to titillate the audience. Right. Right. To take a little sidetrack into, um, into all the times when we do comic book movies and people complain about CGI. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Because it's like, these are comic book characters yeah. that have superheroes. And if you read the comic books, they do outlandish things. The fight scenes are, are outlandish. And yeah. Oh yeah, to, for sure. To pull well, off plus some how, of those. How do you portray superheroes, right? Right. They're and supposed to, pull to be off, super powered. Yeah. To pull off some of those, those stunts and those fight scenes in a live action setting without CGI, you know, there's only so much wire work and stuff that you can pull off without it really looking kind of ridiculous. Exactly. And so you have no, to kind of why, do this CGI stuff. When it's a superhero movie and right. they do a good mix where it's not completely so computerized that it looks like nobody has any weight to them. You know what I mean? Right, right. But it's not like you say, it's not complete wire foo where you're like, oh, look, I can see the wire. Like you can almost see the wire. Right. And, you and know, it looks unrealistic. Yeah, but so it looks unrealistic because they're suspended in air for twice, just a little <laughs> bit too long. They look like they have weight, but they shouldn't do that. No. Yeah, yeah. Like I like a, a good combination. And if it's a superhero movie, I will certainly not want actually to have all of the stunts be practical stunts because that's just not practical because they're superheroes like the thor the thor movies seems right. to have a good combination the wonder woman did have a good combination of the two yeah it's just as a stunt person i like to see the people doing it but but people don't have superpowers superheroes people do, do not so have superpowers you have yeah. to add some cgi <laughs> you just do <laughs> so, <laughs> i mean you know i'm sorry but the CGI Hulk is quite a bit more impressive than Lou Ferrigno. Bless, God bless Lou Ferrigno. True, that is true. Fantastic Hulk, but, you know, he looks like a bodybuilder from the 1970s. Yep. <laughs> he does not look like a superhero. <laughs> nope. So that so I'm fine with that. That's, that's a little side, side thing into my other field, which is the stunt coordination thing. <laughs> so that's fine. <laughs> yes, I, I accept that. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's a good combination, if it's not too, too computery and not too stupid looking. Right, right. So does that argument make sense in my article? That there's well, yeah. this kind of dual, no, dual problem with the hypersexualization. It does, um, and that's some one of the things that I often find comedic. You know, is in certain, you know, video games and and uh, and if you're ever a, a reader of um, heavy metal. Oh, the world's right. foremost illustrated fantasy magazine. Not for a long time. <laughs> still really good. They still have occasionally get some really is good it? stuff in there. But that is kind of, I think, the uh, it's one of the more contemporary sources of the um, iron bikini trope. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the classic Boris Vallejo fantasy depictions of... Conan and all that stuff. That my my beloved genre of fantasy has a has a very very well, turgid reputation for its depictions the, of its females. The most sure. the most famous <laughs> the most famous heroine from any of the heavy metal comics is Tarna, who has the you know the bikini armor. Yeah, yeah. but she you know she rides a a dragon and all this other stuff like that. She's a total badass. But she burns her thighs on that dragon, man. You gotta have yeah. some. But she <laughs> totally has no armor on her whatsoever. Yeah. And then um, there's a, there's then, a long running joke about, especially in video games, because people are talking about feminism in video games a lot these days. But there's this long running joke about like the two characters walk into the the armor. They're about ready to upgrade their armor. And right. The one well, character I think, I gets think funny or die or, or maybe college humor did a, a, a sketch about that. Oh, they did like a like a live action sketch. Right. That's right. Yeah, and the, like the armor's like, here you go, lady. <laughs> She's like, what? <laughs> this doesn't cover any of my vital organs. What are you right. talking about? Why is this plus two more protection? It right. just is. <laughs> How come he gets to wear a plate over his chest? <laughs> because male fantasy. True, true. Huh. And you know, why, why have a strong female character unless you can like check on her midriff? Or right. if that's not the point, then completely make her totally not. Not attractive, not sexy? Yeah. 
which I also go into more detail of in the um, the one of the guys trope too. That's later. I think that's number six or something. Like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But anyway, it's just a matter of why is it why why let let's make the sexiness part a part of the character. Why is it why is it so hyper sexualized whenever there's a female character, especially one that's featured, right? Or or central which is hardly ever happens that's why the wonder woman that's why i named it the wonder woman because it's it's pretty rare to find a central protagonist even character who is a female warrior that kind of well i think it's becoming i think it's becoming more common yes yeah i mean particularly in the last maybe 20 years i mean you know um like the actual central, there's a lot of great pivotal characters, especially that's, that have happened, like you're saying, in the last 20 years. But it's right. pretty rare to find a female character that is the protag- the protagonist. Well, yeah. Uh, As opposed well, to the protagonist's partner. The, um, oh, those zombie movies with M- Mila Jovovich as the, I think it's Mila. Oh, yeah. What is that? Resident um, Evil. Resident Evil, thank you. Also, like, right. All our listeners are like, Resident Evil! Evil you face. fucking nerds! You guys need to give your nerd cards back. You no. need to come up with Resident Evil. The first thing. Well, I'm not a big sci-fi, you know, I mean, I, I, I read heavy metal and and I have a cat yelling at me. Hold on a second. I can hear her. She's very darling. Do you want to be the central right protagonist now. on this podcast, she Kitty? She does. She wants a sexy bikini <laughs> armor. <laughs> She's a strong female warrior. Oh, I'm She's a strong this. female pain in my ass. Yeah, right. No <laughs> kidding. I know. I had three female cats when I was married. See? Oh, you sing so nicely. We're going to keep all this. We're not going to cut any of this, by the way. Right. <laughs> well, she has something to say about Wonder Woman, apparently. <laughs> Yay. But so yeah, you have the Resident Evil um woman that that kicks ass. And again, she's in a skin tight thing all the time. And... Well, not always. I mean, the one movie that I've I've tried to catch up on on those because I kind of like them. Um but I know in the in the first one, yeah, she's in a dress. But in the other one, she's not. She's more you know, isn't she like in a cat suit? That's how I see her depicted most of the time. Yeah, in the in the first one, she's in kind of a dress through a big chunk of it because she wakes up in a house that she was, you know, living in. Right. Well, I mean, that's, there's a reason for that. Right. What's the remake of? And then there's of, the one where she's in the desert, but she's wearing, you know, normal looking, you know, combat gear. And it is normal looking. There's no midriffs yeah. going on. It's not skin tight. I don't. It's not, Lara, I don't it's not some Lara Croft shit. I don't know if it. I don't know if her midriff is showing, but. You know, you kind of do want. Uh, well, you're the you're the fighter coordinator. Do you want loose and flowing, or do you want skin tight to move? Well, if she's if she's in classic tactical gear, then it would be kind of neither. She'd have big utility belts and and body armor, and her fatigues wouldn't be tight, but they wouldn't be flowing either. I mean, yeah. it depends on what's appropriate for the character. Like, what is she choosing? What is she choosing to right. wear? Like, is, is she choosing to show her midriff? If so, why? You know what I'm saying? Like, as long as it's not just an arbitrary thing that the male costume designer is like, oh, let's show her boobs. Yeah. It's like, okay, what is this character wanting to wear herself and for what reason? If it is particular choices, you know, like, maybe I'm putting on an evening gown because I am going to a black tie event. Right. You know, like, that's different. Right. Than having it, it be it, just automatically shoehorned onto her because we can't be looking at a woman unless she's hot. Right. Right. If she's wearing tactical gear, then she's wearing tactical gear, and there's nothing sexy about that. It's very bulky and protective. Yeah. Or you could wear semi-tactical gear, but it's not necessarily right. bulky, but of the of the moment, of the the cobbled together kind of thing. I keep thinking of. I keep thinking of. Actually, I keep thinking of my. I usually play a woman character when I play Fallout. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Um, and and I tend to go for um, the combat gear, you know, the uh, um, the uh, Brotherhood of Steel fatigues, which are the uh, the the ones that you usually see characters wearing when they're inside power armor. Oh, which right. Is the mm-hmm. skin tight kind of flight suit looking thing, and, and then you put armor on top of that. Right. You know, and that's 
And that's skin tight because it's just because you put armor on top of it. Because you put armor on top of it. It's like warming and protective in a different way. That's not like Lara Croft, who has like right. barely a top, a pair on. of shorts, and a tank top, and is armed to the teeth and somehow... and gun holsters and bare thighs. It's like, <laughs> you know. Well, you know, I guess if you're if you're raiding tombs in the jungle, it helps to be cool. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know that I want my legs to be exposed to all the bugs that I'm hiking through, all the right. poisonous adders and shit. Right, right. <laughs> but you know what I mean, like. It's it's not necessarily wrong for a character to be sexy, but it has to be for a reason. Well, yeah, there's I guess I guess it's, it sounds kind of silly, but it seems as if you there's there's utilitarian sexiness and then there's whimsical sexiness or not really whimsical sexiness. But... Well, I mean, just think about just think about like imagine that you're a badass warrior woman in real life, like. Right. What would you wear in certain situations? You wouldn't right. wear Lara Croft's outfit in combat. You wouldn't do that. You might right. wear, like in Wonder Woman, she wouldn't be wearing heels. Yeah. But the scene where she goes to the party to try and infiltrate to go find the major bad guy, she wears mm-hmm. a gorgeous, lovely, well-fitted to her beautiful form evening gown. Right. Which, of course, that's, you know, yeah, that's what you wear when you go to a and somehow managed to be squeezing that sword between her butt cheeks. Because I know, you ever I, see that? So that, many people tried to do that after that movie came out. It was like, don't do it. Don't do it. I mean, well, unless I, you have a sheath. There was somebody that had that, you know, had the, showed you like the picture of the thing and they would drew her, then drew it and then drew like a cutaway to show where the sword ha- would have to be for yeah. it to fit on that dress. And it's like right down between her butt. And it's like, no, that's Ouch. not going to work. <laughs> I mean, even if she had a scabbard down there, that wouldn't be very comfortable at all. Yeah, yeah the only way to keep that in that position is to clinch real tight. <laughs> <laughs> she has an extra strap under her. Right. Bra. Oh, no, but she didn't because she has a backless dress. Anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. She's like, holding okay. that sword in place entirely with her butt cheeks. So there's <laughs> there would be a way to portray that. Where it's, this is a character who's trying to go to a black tie party. She wants to bring her sword with her to kill the bad guy. Right. So how do you design it? (laughs) (laughs) Not like that. Not like that, no. I mean, it's not a long sword. It's a shorter Greek style sword, but you know, hey, still. (laughs) Still. She's holding that thing in place with her butt. That's the only answer to that question. If I'm going to teach movement class, which I'm going to tomorrow... I'm going to be wearing like yoga pants and like right. a bra to hold my boobs in my shirt well, see, and like that's stuff other... that's like good for that. And then when I go out with my partner and we go out to a, a classy pub on the town, right. I might want to wear a short skirt and some heels because my legs right. are fucking fab. So, right. but like, I'm not going to always be wearing those heels <laughs> and showing my legs off no matter right. what I'm doing just because I happen to be have smoking hot legs. Right. Because that's just not, I mean, I, why would I do that? It's so. Well, then that's the thing that I've, I've often find interesting because one costume design, you know, should you should be rational to the situation. And granted it's, it's fun to, to look at, um, you know, these fantasy drawings with women in their iron bikinis, just because, you know, it does look interesting in one fashion or another, but. Well, I mean, costume design, costumes, costumes are, are they're, they do several things for character. They show the character's rank, they show a character's socioeconomic status, they show their, their uh, occupation, they show the time period that they are living in, they show their environment, they show mood, they show yep. all kinds of stuff. Yep. So, but what, yeah. I'm, what I'm getting at is that, you know, yes, this is kind of, why I don't, I know, I know that they are shoehorning sexiness onto something, but I don't get why there's this extraordinary desire or need or, or perception that they have to do this because, you know, you can take these two actresses, you can take any actress out there in Hollywood, um, you know, leading lady type as, as you know, who's, they have all the personal trainers and all that stuff out there going on. And, because of that, whatever you put on them that fits 
both you know fits their body and fits the uh, the function of the character so you take you know a woman you slap her in um say she's a, just a soldier you slap her in a, in a standard military uniform mm-hmm. she's going to look better than the average yeah oh yeah person that you slap in that uniform because she's a hollywood actor Right, because she's got the personal trainer and stuff like that, and that's what they do. They 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 make themselves into into these examples, superhuman examples of 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 human of the human form. So and, and so, I don't quite understand. I, I it's not that I I don't understand. <laughs> so I guess what I'm saying is is that it's not that I don't understand the point you're trying to make with the trope, but what I don't understand is is how, particularly in this era people get continue to get caught in the trap of making things impractically sexy right yeah you know following the old 1960s star trek costuming theme which was you know to right. make the cost in order for it to be sexy it has to it, it it some ratio of how soon you think it's going to fall off of her exactly right right, right. because yeah i don't know i just, i don't get it yeah it it seems well and that's why i wrote a lot of reasons why I wanted to write these articles too is because it's almost like, I mean, like in our last episode, we were talking about how it's almost like you don't notice it because it's so just ingrained. Right. And, and I wonder that, I wonder that just because people have maybe still designed that shit like that because it's almost just ingrained and that's just right. kind of how they're so used to it that they can't even conceive of doing it in a, in a better way because it's just so right. it's so a part of the skeleton of these characters. It's just so in inherent in our culture. Right. So how is it that a woman director and a woman costume designer make the high heeled warrior boot mistake? Well, same same I same answer I just gave. I think it's just because it is so ingrained and and even with those women with this very pioneering kind of movie, which is a female-led superhero movie. Did they make that There decision? is still a part of, probably, I mean, I don't know. I haven't read any interviews with the director in particular talking about that in particular. Right. But what I would imagine being a woman in showbiz myself is just, and being in the warrior arts myself, is that there probably is a not-so-small part of them that goes, you know, we have to if get we, the guys if to watch. We have, if we, to, make her... we have to do something to make her hot. We have to. If we don't make her hot at all, then she's not going to be, you know? But it's, it's again, it's like it's this whole like thinking that it's necessary. Right. Hmm. Or maybe they just like they looked at the old comics and were like, well, that's what she looks like. I can't imagine it was that simple, though, because it's such a revolutionary well, kind of movie, and they they changed so much about it, and they had so much modern commentary about all kinds of things in it. So I can't well, imagine it's true. like, oh, well, that's but, the one, the one, but the that's one. that's kind of something that comics do. I mean, we don't have the same Batman that we had when he was right. originated in the in the forties and thirties. We don't have the same, even the same Spider-Man that we had. I was about to say that. Yeah, no, it's all you different. know, and 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 comic books are always. Um, reflecting and commenting upon the society of the moment. Well, so and as, uh, so as I didn't movies. find, and I didn't, so I didn't find those aspects of. But you, I guess you always kind of, particularly with with comic book movies, and this may have. And this doesn't. This kind of like we're kind of drifting away from the badass female thing. Um, and focusing on that, and really kind of going on with the with the comic book movie side of the of the aspect, which is not really related to the trope. But well, whenever when you do something like Wonder Woman, like these comic book characters, if if it you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, no matter what aspect well, of them you hope to change or or keep or 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 alter. Because well, here's what I put forth about that, because what you're I think what you're saying is that because it's a comic book movie, it means, and especially superhero comic book, we're talking about portraying a fantasy. Well, no, no. What I'm talking about is, is fidelity to the, the, to the, original. the way the, to the way the character is, is imagined. Right. Okay. So it's like, you know, part of the reason that, that, that one Wolverine movie is seen as a total travesty 
and why at the end of the Deadpool movie of the second Deadpool movie, Ryan Reynolds has the, you know, they travel back in time and, and kill that version Oh, of, right. oh of God, Deadpool is because that whole muted, you know, ver- that version of, of, of Wade Wilson in that Wolverine movie is wrong. Mm-hmm. It's wrong. It is incorrect for the character. Right. And right. so it's and not so, faithful to the original. And so Any the thing the is that, yes, you can do all sorts of other things with Wonder Woman. They could have done things to put her in, in, in flatter shoes. You know, they could have done other stuff like that. But there was a certain look that she had to have. Yes, absolutely. In order to be Wonder Woman. Yeah, that's true. Um, otherwise, you would just piss off the purists. Well, and that and that's what happened with a, a slightly earlier TV show. What was that in the early aughts that tried to do a Wonder Woman TV show? And they put her oh, in. Oh yeah, yeah. They put her in pants. And everyone's like, nope. Right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with so, having the the Greek sort of Greek inspired armor with the American flag emblems on it. That's totally you're, like you said. That's totally Wonder Woman. That's what that's, she right is doing, and that's great. But you know. And, and yes, this is a fantasy. We have the island of the Amazons, which is an island of full, <laughs> filled with fantasy women who are all warrior women. That's a great right. fantasy. But whose fantasy is it? Right. Whose fantasy is it? Well, it could be any number of people's fantasy. It, it, in other words, it shouldn't just be heterosexual men, a man's heterosexual man's fantasy. Uh, that island of angry armed women is not my fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, they're all they're all ideal. They're skipping through the through the grass. Oh, I, I don't like, care. Yeah. I don't care if they I if I wouldn't care if they had like you know if their armor were, was was pasty than a merkin. If they were angry and armed, that's not my fantasy. I don't think they get angry until the man lands on their island to be aged. Hey, you know, that's gonna be whatever. the subtitle of this episode: pasty than a merkin. That's the subtitle of my of my memoir about my days in burlesque. Pasties and American. The story, story of Jen, Jen's days as Valkyrie Rose in burlesque. AKA pasties and American. Pasties and American. And a, a chainmail bra. I just performed right. in a chainmail bra just Friday night. That's all you need is Pasties and Merkin. I did have Pasties and did not have a Merkin, though. <laughs> Today's burlesque wants the opposite of Merkin. But anyway. <laughs> oh, I'm so tired. That's well, anyway, so that's the point. It's this heterosexual male gaze. Right. So, oh, yeah, and that's problematic even outside of this trope, is that... Yeah, it's, it's so yeah. much... Mm-hmm. Because what that does is it undermines the strength of the character. Right. And it's it, not, it reverts her into a sexual object and not into a badass right. character. Therefore, something that's, to be that's ob- pretty obvious, though, obsessed right? over or fantasized about yeah. rather than to have any simple direct authority over her own existence. There you go. Yeah. Well said. Well said, pasties. So no, that's our that's our partnership name in this in this podcast. You're pasties and I'm Merkin. Merkin. No, it's the other way around. You have the beard, so you're Merkin and I'm the pasties. <laughs> <laughs> so Merkin, any other questions about any other no. questions for pasties about this trope? <laughs> Episode two. I'm gonna jot that down. Episode two. We have completely devolved into giggling about pasties and burkas. I'm here talking about feminist misogynist (laughs) tropes. Feminism and misogynist tropes. And here we are just dissolving into... But that's exactly what this this trope arises out of. It's that that taking some powerful female warrior character and, and... hypersexual the body is completely exposed her armor is pasties and yeah. a merkin yeah. and yeah. Yeah. somehow that will save her in combat while her male partner is decked out because in full full plate mail why because he's the real pussy <laughs> oh there you go oh right so that's 
Actually, totally I saw right, a great but... comic. Um, <laughs> recently, it was a couple of years ago when all this stuff was coming. It's a great website, by the way. It's called Escher Girls. And it doesn't talk specifically about the armor issue, although it does sometimes. But it's called Escher Girls, like like Escher the artist. Mm-hmm. And it, it talks about, it shows all of the the art, the misogynistic art tropes about females in comics. Right. They have all these names for all these different poses that these warrior women find themselves in, like the boobs and butt pose, like the boobs and oh. the butt both are facing the camera. Right. How do you and do that like, without breaking your back? <laughs> yes. And then there's like the centaur pose where they like have this lengthened torso so that the, the butt is arched more and they have the the um, the no internal organs <laughs> version. Right. And so there's all these like things. And they talk about the armor, the armor issue, too. But I saw this comic recently up there. Um it was like, how come, how come you're out? It was this, this, this male warrior going, hey, uh, friend warrior, what, why are you out here in armor like that? Like, aren't you exposed? <laughs> like, aren't you like totally exposed? Your midriff is completely like open to, to arrows. And <laughs> she's like, it's my womb power. And then it shows these like arrows flying at her belly. And then it, it just goes, womb. And the arrows are all like <laughs> repelled by this magic power of her womb. Oh my God! Yeah, silly, but real, <laughs> but real. Well, I think that went well. I agree, Merkin. Yes. <laughs> and next week we will do. Um, oh crap! What is number three? Uh, next week is. Look, I only wrote them. I don't have them memorized. Well, I had them called up on a different browser, and then I had. Oh, it says right here at the end of your uh, article. Oh, no, it doesn't. Well, aren't I? Aren't I nice? Mother knows best. Yeah, I think so. No, it's uh, down the rabbit hole. Yes, I think. And yep, I keep... down the rabbit hole. Down the rabbit hole. Yes, <clears throat> we're going to talk more about titillation. All right. Merkin and pasties. More about titillation with down the rabbit hole. <laughs> The Outrider Podcast is recorded by me, Jason Quinn Malott, and cleaned up by my badass producer, Heather Ann Eden. The songs Choose and Adventure and Break and Mend used in this series are by Wichita-based band Cartwheel off their new EP, Best Days, and are used by permission of the copyright holder, Kristen Chapman. You can get Cartwheel's EP on Apple Music and Spotify, so visit them at www.cartwheel.band.